Okay, what I'd like to talk about, <coughs> I think that, you know, every chance you have, you should say a capital till it. Mm-hmm. And just, you don't have to wait till somebody tells you to say it. Any specific ones? Kuflami. Say Kuflami. 130. Mimamakim Kurasicha It's appropriate. Uh, I'd like to talk about the test for Aaron HaKohen to prove that he was chosen. Right? Do you remember that the test of Aaron HaKohen was that uh, his mate, his staff, <coughs> was put down along with all the other staffs of the one staff per tribe in the in the Mo uh, <coughs> Eight. And his, the next morning, his staff had grown a flower. And that proved something about Aaron HaKohen. So in the larger context, you know that this is a kind of strange story. Because the rebellion against Moshe and Aharon by B'nai Yisrael, they, they, they were unhappy that Moshe and Aaron had taken authority all the authority was theirs. So Korach came along, and he got a few other people with him, and uh, they revolted against Moshe Rabbeinu. How exactly you can revolt against Moshe Rabbeinu is its own story. I mean, what do they do? I mean, how can they get it together? After all, Moshe Rabbeinu took them out of the tribe and gave them the Torah and led them into the wilderness on the way to Eretz Yisrael. I mean, how did they... How do they pull it off? All right, okay, so this is a discussion. The Torah makes a presentation and there's a discussion in the Mephoshim. But when all of that is over and the B'nai Korach are directed, the, the people of Korach are directed to take a Torah, an incense sacrifice, and all of them died. It was clear that Moshe Rabbeinu was the victor. And you would think that Aaron, by implication, was also the victor. And yet, <coughs> there is a separate and independent test for Aaron. So let's look at the Psukim. We have to look at the Psukim. Uh, you see the first source on the right. By the Be'er Hashem Moshe God spoke to Moshe. Daber el b'nei Yisrael v'kach v'yitam mateh, mateh levet av. Take a staff, a mateh. A staff, one staff for each tribe. May eight call Nisiehem a staff, one of the staff, a staff from each of the Nisiehem, uh, the princes of the of the tribe. The Veita Vutamsh name Asar Natotsi, you'll have twelve staffs. Ish et Shemotichtov al Mateo. And each each of the Nisiehem writes his name on the staff. So you have 12 staffs and 12 names. Pasuk Yudchet, Ved Shem Aaron Tichtova Mateh Levi, Ki Mateh Echad Lerosh Beit Avotam. So, Mateh B'nei Levi. We know that the tribe of Levi became divided up into two. Right? There was the Aaronites, the Kohanim, and the Leviim. 
But at this point, the Torah says, Aaron represents the tribe of Levi. That's how you get 12 tribes, instead of 13. The tribe of, the tribe of Levi was represented by Aaron HaKohen. Ki echad There's only one, one mate, one staff for the tribe of Aaron. Rashi says, you see Rashi, Pasuk Yudchet, Avopi shechalaktim l'shtei mishpachot mishpachat kahuna levad u'mevia levad mikol makom shevet echad u'av. We could think about this. I mean, according to the, uh, according to uh, Rashi, according to Rashi, what the Pasuk is saying is, even though there are two, there's still one. Uh, there's still one, unlike Ephraim or Menashe. Even though Ephraim and Menashe were both sons of Yosef, and Yosef was one, he was a tribe. Nevertheless, in the listing of the tribes, Ephraim is a tribe, and Menashe is a tribe. Somehow we know that there are twelve. You have to count them. Without Levi, there's twelve. So Levi is one. No, Le- <coughs> without Levi, there's twelve. There's twelve matot. Without Levi, yeah. no, you don't. You don't count the tribe of Manasseh. Oh. You only count just. Whatever you have to do to make it come out to twelve, you make it come out to twelve. <laughs> what's, the, what's the lineage of Levi and Yochanan from Aaron? How does that work? What's the? How does the lineage work? Aaron was appointed high priest, right. and his children. Oh, his children. And so they automatically become priests. So therefore, the Levim that are not Kohanim are from Moshe? The ones that are not Kohanim? I mean, the Bnei Levi? No, they were, the Levi had sons. Right? had sons. They became Levim. They became Levim. So now we're up to Apasugutet. V'inachtam ba'ol mo'ed l'fnei ha'idut asher iva'ed l'chem shabba. So ol mo'ed is the tent of meeting, right? That word in Hebrew, va'ad, to get together. Put these staffs, you have 12 staffs with 12 names, put them in the O'el Mo'ed. That's what, that's what the Pasuk says. Pasuk Kav. ha'ish yifrach. And the person who is chosen, chosen for what? Chosen for what? Well, we're talking about Aaron Akoin. He's the one who's being tested. So the one who is chosen will become the Kohen. Will become the Kohen. That was the argument. The argument was, you, Moshe Rabbeinu, you made yourself the political leader, the academic leader. So, so why take your brother and make him the high priest? Take somebody else. So that's what God says. Whoever is chosen, everybody will see that obviously that the choice of Aharon was not something that Moshe Rabbeinu devised. But it was something that, that had to be. That HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, Pasuk Kafra, Ya Ishishat Chabo Matei Yifrat Vahat Shikoti Me'alai Et Lunot B'nei Yisrael I will slough off. They will kind of just disappear. The, the, the arguments that B'nai Yisrael have against me, which they 
which they argue against you, Moshe and Aharon. Right? Rashi Koti, if you see the Rashi Pasukkah, Kemo, he says there are other other places where a similar word is mentioned, by Yashoku Hamayim, in Breshit, and Hamat Hamel Shachacha, means to dampen down. Right? The, uh, so this is taken right out of the Machberet Menachem. Right? Rashi used that book, he used it uh, literally, it was on his desk. Machberet Menachem, written by Menachem Ben Saruk, who of course uh, became famous because he's a street in Yerushalayim. <laughs> right, so in Rechavia, you know, Rechavia would have those Spanish Rishonim, so Menachem Ben Saruk is one of them. And he was important enough to be quoted. His method was that wherever possible, he quoted two examples. He says, this is what it means, and here are two examples. And if you look at the Rashi, even when he doesn't mention Menachem, he often mentions Menachem, but even if he doesn't, he uses the same system. Right? A translation, and then two examples. That's Masukkaf. Vayedaber Moshe b'nei Yisrael v'yitnu elav kol nesi ehem matel enasi echad matel enasi echad. They did it exactly the way God wanted them to do it. Vayed avotam shnei masam matot matet Aaron b'toch matotam. And the 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 matet the staff of Aaron was in the midst of the other matot. The Rashi says, you see pasuk kavalim b'toch matotam. He michob emtza. He put Aaron's staff in the middle. Shelo yomru metneishi nichob etzach china parach. Right, you know, if, if he put it at the edge, so it would be actually closer to the Aaron kodesh, and then people would say, oh, you know, because it was close to Aaron kodesh, it flowered. Um, so he didn't want that. He want people to say that. That's Rashi. Pasukah bet, vayanach Moshe the matot of Nei Hashem ba'ol ha'idut, and God and Moshe put these uh, staffs uh, before God ba'ol ha'idut. Before God means the Aron Kodesh that was that was there. Pasukah gimel, vayim imacharat. The next morning. Came to check and see what was going on. There was a flower on the staff of Aaron the Beit Levi. Perach is a flower. You know, when you have a fruit, Fruit trees before the fruit, there's a flower. And the flower falls off, and then you get the shkedim, shkedim amids. So that, uh, how this all happened all overnight, uh, we don't know, but I guess that was the miracle. The miracle was that all of the other staffs were dormant, nothing happened, but the staff of Aaron flowered. Rashi says a few things. Uh, oh, it means a flower. Like when the flower falls off, you see the beginning of the fruit. 
right? It's not yet fully grown, but you see the beginning of it. That's the tzitz. means, and then there were shkedim, there were amens. Why amens? Why not amens? I don't know. Pasukav Dalit. He took all the matot out, and everybody took his mate. Each nasi from each tribe took his mate. This is a really remarkable pasuk. God says to Moshe Rabbeinu, bring back Aaron's staff and put it with Neha Eidut. So you now had an Oel Moed. In the Oel Moed was an Aaron Kodesh. Next to the Aaron Kodesh was Aaron's staff. The Mishmeret, it should be watched over the oath, and it'll be a sign. Livnei Mary for all those who want to be uh, deniers. And somehow this staff is going to have a very positive effect on things. Vatechel and Tlunatam, the criticism of God will be put aside. Will be put aside the techel to the town. May I lie? They will not die. Imagine. Not only was the mate the indicator that Aaron was the proper choice to be Kohen Gadol, but somehow this staff, <coughs> Aaron's staff, I mean, like he walked around with a staff and he's like, why do people walk around with a staff? I guess they want to say I'm very important I'm, I'm special I have a job right? I mean, you have to go and look up all those Egyptian kings who had staffs, but you know they did, they did probably if you go to the basement in the British Museum, you could even buy those staffs, you know, those Egyptian staffs and it's true about the Assyrians. You know these kind of books that they like to, they like to, even Dat uh, Mikra, even Dat Mikra put out by Mosadat Cook, for some reason they think that if they show you an Assyrian with a staff, you understand it all better. <laughs> Not for me. Everybody has their, you know, like sometimes, sometimes if you could prove that a lot of different people had staffs, so you imagine that you solved the problem. But you haven't solved the problem. Because the problem is <coughs> not so much what the test was, even though that's a problem. Why a staff and why a flower and why this business about everybody together? And there was no implication, nobody was punished. Nobody was punished after I was proven to be the, the proper Kohen Gadol. So what was it all for? I mean, and then nobody, everybody accepted it. 
There's no indication that there was a, a problem here. The second problem, the second problem is, <coughs> what exactly was that staff doing in the OMO aid? The OMO aid, there was Aron HaKodesh, there was a, you know, there was this closet in which there were the Ten Commandments. It was the holiest place that we had. No one could approach it. When they moved from place to place, it was very complex. How to cover up the Aron and how to carry it. <coughs> what was the what was this Bakhtet doing there? I mean kind of it's uh, it's disorienting. You know, you walk into this Kodesh Kadashim, the Kohen Gadol, and you know, like he walks in, he sees a, a matet and a flower coming out of it. I mean, you gotta say, what is this? What is this? Before we try to answer these two questions, I want to remind you of uh, something that takes place in next week's parasha, Meimuriva, <coughs> the waters of discontent. You know, Moshe Rabbeinu, uh, Moshe and Aaron participated. The people came to Moshe, and they said, we don't have any water, Moshe. We want water. Okay, water is not a big problem. Look at the look at the next source. This is the Psukim by the Bashem Moshe Limor. God said to Moshe Rabbeinu the following Kachatamatek. Take the staff. I guess it means your staff. The staff you use. You Moshe Rabbeinu. And get everybody together. You and Aaron. Both of you. And you will speak to the rock, and the waters will come out. And water will come from a rock. There will be enough water for everybody to drink, for all the flocks to drink. This will be the solution to the problem. Which means that Moshe Rabbeinu took the mater, the staff, which means from before Hashem. Which mater was before Hashem? The mater So you could explain that what was happening was that Moshe went into the Oromoed and he took the definite article, the mate, the one, the only, the unique mate. He assumed that's what HaKadosh Baruch said to him. Take the mate, and then HaKadosh Baruch said, you speak to the seller. You speak to the seller. Vaykach Moshe the mate l'fnei Hashem g'ashe tzivah pasut yud. Moshe Hey, listen, all of you rebellious Jews, listen, those of you who are deniers, who turn away from God. 
He's laughing at that. Where do you think that we'll be able to get water out of this rock? And Moshe Rabbeinu raised his head by Yach at the Sela Bimateu Pa'amayu Vietsu Mayim Rabim. So Moshe Rabbeinu hit the rock Pa'amayim. The first time Rashi says only a few drops came out. But the second time, wow, poured. Water just poured out. And of course there is a discussion about what happened from the point of view of Moshe Rabbeinu. <coughs> Did Moshe Rabbeinu listen to God? Or did he deny the command of God? The conclusion of the story is that God accuses Moshe Rabbeinu and Aaron HaKohen of Chilul Hashem. And it may be that the Chilul Hashem is based on the fact <coughs> it's based on the fact that they, Moshe and Aaron, or Moshe, hit the rock and did not, as God commanded, speak to the rock. But this uh, again becomes the subject of, uh, of discussion. Rashi says that this was the transgression. The transgression of Moshe Rabbeinu was that he hit the rock but did not speak to the rock as he was directed. The Ramban has difficulty with that. He said, well, what difference does it make? If you speak to the rock, nothing's going to happen. And if you hit the rock, nothing is going to happen. So in what way could the, is the miracle diminished if you, if you hit the rock instead of speaking to the rock, it doesn't make any difference. Because as far as B'nai Yisrael standing there and watching, in either case you're not going to get water unless there's divine intervention. So we have the following. If we, we, we follow the Ramban, that the fact that Moshe Rabbeinu hit, the, uh, uh, hit the, uh, the rock is not such a big problem. Furthermore, the Abarbanel points out <coughs> oh, what did God tell Moshe Rabbeinu to bring that staff for? I mean, Moshe Rabbeinu, God said to Moshe Rabbeinu, bring the staff. So Moshe Rabbeinu said, oh, here I am with a rock with a staff. I'll, I'll give it a whack. That seems perfectly reasonable. If God didn't want Moshe Rabbeinu to hit the rock, they shouldn't have told him to bring a staff. I mean, what does the staff do? And certainly the staff of Aaron. Why the staff? We correctly interpreted it that it refers specifically to the staff of Aaron. So you have these problems. I would like to, uh, <coughs> I want to sort of like take a step in the direction of solving these problems. Look at the Svatemet that is quoted at the bottom of the page. Svatemet, Svatemet. Uh, <laughs> the Svatavet, the second Ger Right? I mention it always because, you know, Ger is a Yerushalayim Chasidut. Most of them, many of them, live in Yerushalayim. There are many of them live in Yerushalayim. By some odd chance, my, uh, my family told me that I missed out because in a Sheva Brachas next to my house, literally, last night, the Ger Rebbe came to the Sheva Brachas. I suppose it means that the people involved were very rich. That's usually how it goes. <coughs> but after all, if you were there, you had an opportunity to see the Red Gare ever go in and come out. This is like, a, if you're a Gare Chazid, this is a big deal. Uh, I missed it. 
But you know, maybe next time. <coughs> ah. So the Svat Emet, Svat Emet, the second Gerib, the first Gerib is the Chidushi Arim, Rabbi Yitzhak Meir. His son, he had a son, who died while his father was still alive at the Rebbe. And the Svat Emet, his son, grew up in the house of the Chidushi Arim and became the Rebbe after he died. After, you know, he was a, and then after the Svat Emet was the Imre Emes. The Imre Emes was a Zionist. Even though they wouldn't admit it, but he was nonetheless a Zionist. And he, uh, he directed his Hasidim, he told them to go to Eretz Yisrael. I mean, in Poland, before the war, talking about, uh, there weren't so many rabbis who told Jews to go to Eretz Yisrael before World War II. Unfortunately, but the Imre Emes told his Hasidim to go to Eretz Yisrael to live, and he said that if you can't go to Eretz Yisrael, the least you could do is buy land in Eretz Yisrael. And in those days, there were these wandering, itinerant real estate agents who would come around and they'd have papers and they could sell you an acre, two acres of some place north of Tel Aviv. And the Hasidim came to them, when the ones who bought finally came to Eretz Israel, either before the war or after the war, they went to check on their property. And what they found was <coughs> that they bought acres in the middle of nowhere, in a place that didn't look like there was any future. And they all got angry at the Rebbe. So the Rebbe told me to buy this. Where's my money? I don't have any money. I don't have a land. I can't live here. There's no water. There's no electricity. I can't. So the Rebbe said, anybody who is disappointed with what he bought, I will buy it from him. I'll buy it back. And he did. He bought the land back. The end of the story is that, as a result, Gare doesn't have to fundraise. Because that land all turned into like Herzliya Pituach <laughs> and Rishon Metzion and uh, you know places like, places like that. So the Gare bank account has never been has never been affected, you know, by by the changes in world economy. So here's the Svatamet. Svatamet says says this. Binyan Meimeriva. Binyan Meimeriva. Again, Meimeriva is the Jews came to tell Moshe Rabbeinu they didn't have any water. And then the story with the rock and the staff. That's Meimeriva. The Medrash, and the Medrash it says, Shene'enash al there's an opinion in the Medrash, and the Rambam says this as well. <coughs> the Rambam says, what was the hate of Moshe Rabbeinu? Because there was this argument about speaking to the rock and, uh, and hitting the rock. And I told you, the Ramban said, what difference does it make you speak to the rock or you hit the rock? At any event, you're not going to get any water unless there's some kind of miraculous intervention. <coughs> and so the Rambam says that the hate of Moshe Rabbeinu was that he got angry. That's what the Rambam says. The Rambam says that 
several places in the introduction of the Shavon of Prokhim. The Rambam says that the hate of Moshe Rabbeinu was that he got angry and it's based on a medrash that he quotes. As well as that, he's quoting the medrash. Why is that? I mean, if you are a Rambamist, you understand that anger in that... No, I will say this again. Even if you're not a Rambamist, you understand that anger clouds your facility of reason. If you're really angry, you're screaming and yelling at somebody or something, your ability to evaluate things is severely diminished. So if Moshe Rabbeinu was angry at the Jewish people, right, for wanting water at this time, not trusting God that the water would appear, then that means that means that Moshe Rabbeinu at that moment could not teach Torah. Because in order to teach Torah, you have to have reason. <coughs> so that Moshe Rabbeinu, by implication, left his position, right? His position was Torah teacher. But Shim when he said that, that anger indicated <coughs> that he wouldn't give it up. He was willing to give up his position. So, the end of the first sentence, Baramban hiksha al ze hataam sharebu vadai chatuba ze. He says the Ramban doesn't understand because Moshe Rabbeinu was correct. Vadai chatuba ze, that they were deniers. Dichtivai ktsifu al meim riva, that God was angry because of what happened. Began maitam alohe mantembi. So what, what does the Pesach mean when it says, when Hashem says to Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe and Aaron, lo hemandunbi. That's what it says. What are you talking about? Anger and may meriva. So that's the Svatamet. Begam, inyan lekichat hamateh. Also there's this matter of taking the mateh. What, what, what did God tell, why did God tell him to take the mateh? If, if there was no intention for Moshe Rabbeinu to hit the rock, so why did God tell him to take the matet? To take the, the staff? Venerally. Venerally. Listen to this. It's like, you know, understated. An abbreviation. Venerally. Dichtiv. Beparashat Korach. In our parashat. Hashem v'chulei, mateh, l'fnei ha'idut. It says in our parashah that Moshe Rabbeinu was directed to put the mateh of Aaron l'fnei ha'idut. Right with the Aaron Kodesh. Le'ot l'fnei meren. As a sign to those who might deny God's command. V'techel tlu notam. And that would be the end of their argument. Ki be'emet. Now listen. By the way, somebody looks at the world. Keep a man. In truth, he says. In truth meaning this, in the stable elements of things. In the way things really are. That's Ba'amet. B'nai Yisrael ma'aminim, b'nai ma'aminim. That really, this quality of emunah, of faith, 
faith in God, faith in the miracle, faith that God will bring them there to Israel. They really like that. They really have faith. They really <coughs> do trust God. It's just that sometimes they get mixed up about reality. But they're ma'aminim, but they're ma'aminim. Listen. Achal nital mehem But the sin denies them the root of unity. When you say they're ma'aminim, but they're ma'aminim, that means, generally speaking, overall, but hate. Anytime there's a chait, it starts from the chait ha'egel, the chait ha'maraglin, the chait ha'korach. It divides up the people. The people who are still ma'aminin, or act as though they're men, and the people who are acting in a different way. He says, I'm in the sixth line. They tell the Hebshorish Achdut the unifying principle of Emunah. Emunah exists, but as a unifying principle, everybody's doing the same thing, that doesn't exist anymore. So that the Mate of Aaron. It's not just a justification of the priesthood for Aaron. That's not what the mater is. What the mater of Aaron is ultimately is one out of many. How many matot were there lying in the Olmoed? Twelve. How many matot were kept in the Olmoed? One. And what was special about that one mate? What was special like Moshe Katu Mateu Yifrach Goyota Bukpa Shoresh Shoresh is root. What does it mean when something, when a flower, when the mate flowers? Well, it means it's getting sustenance from the earth. It's got to get sustenance. Like we know, we know the, the Gemara says that, uh, you know, in Shemitah there's this question about. Potted, if you pot a tomato, you know, you have a tomato, a little apple tree growing in a pot. So, does, do the rules of Shemitah apply? Because we know that Shemitah is about planting something in the ground. So, the Gemara says, well, it depends on how that potted plant is sustained. So, if you put the potted plant, you hang it over the earth. It's not connected to the earth, right? So you'll see it'll grow. It'll grow because it is getting sustenance with the Gemara. It's getting sustenance from the earth. I have nothing to say about that. I mean, I assume it's true. <coughs> you see, if you hang a flower, a, a, a plant above the earth so the roots will kind of get out somehow and try to do it grab onto the earth because they're getting sustenance. Not because they're not getting sustenance. They may not be getting enough, but they know that there's something down there. And they go for it. So that according to the spot and met, what does the mate of Aaron symbolize? <coughs> it symbolizes the root 
of Am Yisrael. And what is the root of Am Yisrael? Maminim b'nei Maminim. Who were the Maminim b'nei Maminim? Avram, Yitzchak, Yaakov. <coughs> so that implanted in Am Yisrael is this rootedness in Emunah. Sometimes <coughs> we look as though we don't have it, but we really do. And so what happened with the Matea of Aaron was it started out 12, there were 12 Matot lying there in the Aaron, in the Olmoed. But it ended up one Matea. Which one Matea? The one that had a flower. Which flower? What does the flower mean? How <coughs> it means it's rooted. There's a Shoresh. It goes back. It's not just lying there doing nothing. But it's reconnecting to the Avot, to Avram, to Yitzchak, to Yaakov. <coughs> in order to say that it is connected to the root of all things. And this is what made all of the matot into one matat. It wasn't just the matat of Aaron, but it was the matat of the Jewish people. The matat of Aaron. Yes, it proved that Aaron should be the Kohen Gadol, <coughs> but it also proved something about the Kohen Gadol, who I know I keep pouring. It's directed to the Chepeh Ba'ado over Adamo. He represents the nation. He represents everybody because he has the Mateh with the Perif, with the Shoresh. That's what the Svatimet said. The Chena Markach, Hamateh, Vakelet Haida, Shabazay Yavola, Tut, Vivtak Lehema Be'er, Kemoshene Katud. And therefore, Hashem told Moshe to take the Mateh. Which Mateh? The Mateh of Aaron. Out of the, out of the oil moe to bring it and, and, and people would see the Mateh and they would understand that the reason for the lack of water was the lack of achdut, the lack of unity, of uniformity, of acceptance altogether of the Ma'aminim, the name Ma'aminim. And so, and so, this is what happened. Moshe Rabbeinu listened to HaKadosh Baruch and he took the Mateh, but it didn't work. The people were not prepared, yet prepared, <coughs> to accept the message of the Mateh. And so Moshe Rabbeinu said, Shimon no Hamorim, he said, what are you doing? This is terrible. You're deniers. Shimu Nahamorim. Aaron Akohen said nothing. You see that Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe Rabbeinu, who was the giver of the Torah to B'nai Yisrael, and the Torah, the Torah after all is emet. And emet means un- uncompromised truth. There is a truth. And that truth was represented by Moshe Rabbeinu. And so when Moshe Rabbeinu saw that B'nai Yisrael didn't understand the Mateh 
And they didn't understand what was happening. They didn't say what Ma'aminim B'nai Ma'aminim is. He got angry. Because they were not able to represent, the people were not able to represent the truth. Aaron HaKohen, on the other hand, is Rodev Shalom. And Oev Shalom, what is Shalom? <coughs> shalom is also God's name. Well, shalom could be a higher level than Emet. Emet is the Torah. What is Shalom? Shalom means, means compromise. Shalom means you can work it out. Shalom is not the truth. It's an imagined state. But it can be. It can be. And so, Shalom, in the Oel Mo'ed, acted as the balance to Emet. Because the Emet of the Torah produces in us a hopelessness. I mean, how can we do it? How can we get anything, everything right? I mean, as we live through history, the details <coughs> involved in doing any mitzvah, the details in keeping Shabbat, the details in, in learning Torah, they, they overwhelm us. We should, we should all run away from it. I mean, we can't do it. We can't get it. And so HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, put the mate of Aharon lifnei Hashem. People should know that even when a met is compromised, compromised because we just can't do it, the mate of Aharon will save us. And since Moshe Rabbeinu represented the met of the Torah, he was not able <coughs> he was not able to see the possibility of Pshara represented by the Mate of Aharon. And so Moshe Abenu took the Mate and beat the seller. But really, what Moshe Abenu might have been doing was beating the Mate. Beating the Mate. He says, why was it that people didn't recognize the Mate? Why was it that they didn't understand that they have a chance that they can affect the change on their own? So this is the story, according to the Svatamet, of the Mate of the Ahro. Before I start coughing, have a good shot. <laughs>